Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Dio, what is popping? Two episodes in one afternoon? Don't let the people know that. Yeah, we don't talk about that, John. We don't talk about Fight Club. We don't talk about Fight Club. We don't talk about the fact that somehow I... I rarely go on week-long vacations. Mm-hmm. Normally, my time off is like a Thursday through a Monday type. Yeah. Once a year, I take a whole week off. You stagger it. This year is a little bit of an anomaly, mm-hmm. and my children had events May, God. June, into July. Those things. So between dance competitions and volleyball tournaments, we didn't really have an opportunity to to take our, a vacation until like the last week of July. Yeah. Well, also the last week of July was my 20th wedding anniversary. Are you clapping for Under me? the table, yeah. Under the table clap. Okay. That's, what, that, that's what it looks like. 20 years? That's what it looks like. 20 years? 20 years, yeah. So on July 20th was 20 years for us. Mm. Uh, here we are in August, and you're talking about, oh, yeah, we're laying down two episodes at once. Yes, John, we are. That's talent. In fact, all I did, I even changed my shirt. You changed your oh, yeah. shirt. Oh, me? No. I rolled oh. up my sleeves. I put on my glasses. And I, could, I thought it's a was brand completely. New outfit. I thought it was way different. It's a brand new yes, outfit. It is. Hey, you only know this if you watch us on YouTube, right? And right now we're only at ten thousand five hundred subs. Only. And we're averaging about eighty thousand downloads oh across the board. Yeah. So I'm thinking more people listen to us on audio mm-hmm. than are on oh, YouTube watching fine. us. That's but fine. hey, our audio listeners, we love you. We love all y'all. We appreciate you. I appreciate but all hey, y'all. Check us out on YouTube. Yep. You can like always see the different centerpieces that John puts up on the table. Yeah, we had a good run with people sending us sending us in new centerpieces, and then it just stopped. So I'm going to call up the audience to please send us some new shit because I'm getting tired of this UF, excuse me, UCF. That, that's old, too. Is this real candy? That is real candy. I would dare you to eat it on maybe episode 300. On I episode will. 300, John's holding up a gold coin. See, UCF, this was maybe back in the O'Leary days. What? This is before Scott Frost, before Josh Heupel, before Gus Malzone. UCF went to Ireland and played a game anything, in Ireland. Anything to generate so I, revenue. So I went to this UCF event. So they had these plastic, what do you call this, like cauldron? Yeah, it's a, one of those like pot a, of, lucky charm, pot of gold. It's a pot. It's this plastic pot with a bunch of gold coins in it. And that's for our listeners that mm. can't see what John's doing. Yeah. He's picking up these gold coins that are like seven or eight years old and smelling them like he's going to eat one. Well, eat one. Explosive diarrhea is coming. So, you know, I'll let you know. It's gross. It's, what, it's, you, the only one that has it in your office, bro. No, I mean, you talking about your explosive diarrhea. <laughs> it happens. gross. It's part of life. But anyhow, I think we were thanking people. Hey, please continue to share us. Please. Go to YouTube. Subscribe. Um, check out our website. Come see us in Vegas. Shout yes. out to Jungo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're I like, like that. Good, hey, good job. Hey, well, you're talking shit about how we're doing two episodes in one day <laughs> because, yes, I'm leaving on a jet plane. Oh. I'm leaving. That's John Denver. On a jet Is that John Denver? Yeah. Yes. I know my shit. Yeah. So I'm leaving on a plane. I'm heading up to Boston, New Hampshire, and Maine. Bangor. For a week. Shout out Bangor, Maine. We are going to do Bar Harbor. We're going to. We're only flying out of Bangor. No. Uh, but I'm going to do a Yankees Red Sox game on Friday. Shoot up to New Hampshire on Sat on Sunday. I'm going to see my man Ray Tweedy, who runs a Waterstone Branch Ooh. in New Hampshire Monday, and then we head to Portland for two days, and then we go to Bar Harbor for three. Good for you. But the rarity is that not only do I have two one week vacations this year, mm-hmm. I have two one week vacations two weeks apart. Mm. So basically, got back from taking my family on a vacation mm-hmm. and then i'm leaving to take my wife and i on a 
romantic getaway, which really romantic getaway means this. No kids, no dog, no work. That's romance still getting, after 20 years. doesn't matter. You're still getting yelled at for something you haven't done yet. Am I? <laughs> so Are you thinking I'm going no, to? Thinking or knowing? Well, I know I'm going to get yelled at when um, I think she thinks I'm not going to train for my half Ironman. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I am going to be getting up early on Saturday morning. I have to bicycle 45 miles. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to go find... I'm going to go find one of those chintzy stationary oh bikes my God, at yeah. my Marriott hotel yeah, right there in, in this, Boston. Yeah, and then and I'm going to sit my happy ass on it for three hours Half and marathon. I'm going to cycle. Good for you, Dio. And I'm going to cycle. You're not even doing 75 hard. No, I'll, I'll drink the night before because, yeah, I'm going to Red Sox Yankees. Good for you. You know what? You need you, In order to take these vacations, you need to generate income, and the people you work for also need to generate income so they can pay your ass. Yeah, so we just did an episode previously where we talked about loan officer compensation, mm -hmm. and it just helps that we're in that mode. We're thinking about finances. Mm -hmm. It is um, earnings season, mm -hmm. right, because it's we're in August. I've talked about this on previous episodes. When Q2 ended in June, mortgage companies would have the entire month of July to, to, to button up, mm -hmm. sharpen pencils, get their finances all done. But by August, they're going to start reporting mm -hmm. their earnings. Mm -hmm. And it just got you thinking and you asking me, hey, well, Dio, how do mortgage companies make money? Because right now, not many of them are making money. They're losing money. But I think if you understand how they make money, then it can make sense on how they could lose money, mm -hmm. right? How do you lose money? Well, don't do that. Whatever you're doing, quit doing it. <laughs> right. It's kind of like I went to the doctor uh, last week because both my shoulders are kind of screwed up. Um, I love my new Crunch Fitness membership. Oh, how you like However, it? However, do not get on one of their incline uh, bench uh, racks. Yeah, like, yeah. oh my goodness, they have you reaching back so far mm. that I ended up like partial tearing both labrums. Mm. So when I was visiting my doctor, who thank God's like downstairs, like we're in the sixth <laughs> oh, floor, yeah, yeah, throughout yeah, yeah. the first floor. And I said, well, doc, like I'm kind of trained for this race. And are there some things that I shouldn't do? He goes, yeah, if it hurts, don't do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, that's some great advice from a medical doctor. Yeah. I said, so can I swim? He goes, does it hurt? I go, nope. He goes, then you can do it. Mm. I was like, so anything? He goes, yes, as long as it doesn't hurt, you'll be fine. And then he prescribed me like this anti-inflammatory plus a bunch of ibuprofen. Nice. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the mortgage banking industry Okay. in general. It's going to be a quick 15-minute lesson. Okay. Just in general, how do banks make money? How do lenders make money? And then if you want to figure out how to lose money, you just don't do all the things that you have to do <laughs> yeah. to make money. But at the end of the day, when you are running a business, it can be a very small business, a a three-person shop, a five-person shop. It could be a large national company. We make our money by picking up a spread between what we borrow and what we lend. That's banking 101. So a bank could very much lend money. I'm sorry, they, they could borrow money mm -hmm. by people like you times a million depositing their check in a savings account because they pay you something for that money. They're point, borrowing from you. Point oh, 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 one. Cool. Yep. They're paying you less than 1%. Yeah. Maybe with inflation, maybe with the Federal Reserve increasing the rates, maybe it's now over 1%. Maybe it's at one and a half. Mm. But they're paying you something, John, and also providing you a service. Hey, John, bring us your money. We'll hold it for you. We'll let you do bill pay, et cetera. We'll do some accounting for you, very general. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
and will pay you a rate of interest. They're borrowing money from you just so they can turn around and lend it out to other people. Mm -hmm. That's banking. And those other people could be business loans, car loans, pool loans, mortgage loans, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Strip banks out of it. Just that's the concept. How do mortgage companies make their money? Because the bulk of the loans that are being originated in today's day and age are done by non-bank lenders, right? Think of who's the number one lender in America. It's Rocket, right? Rocket companies, formerly Quicken Loans. They're not a bank. They're not bank-owned. Who's one of the top wholesalers? So if you're a mortgage broker in today's day and age, if you are a borrower getting a loan from a broker, more than likely, one out of two or one out of three loans, they're sending it to United Wholesale, right? That's the company. That's not a bank. So United Wholesale is borrowing money to then lend money. Rocket is borrowing money to lend money. Mm -hmm. Then you go all the way down the top 100 list of independent mortgage bankers, and you'll notice that the bulk of them have to go out and borrow money. They borrow money from companies that are larger than them <laughs> that lend money. So there's other companies. Usually these are banks, though. UBS, North Point Bank, um, Flagstar. Question, uh, do those, those, like, uh, those large, large banks, do they do mortgages as well? Or do they you... do. Okay. They do. But these large banks, like Flagstar does all types of mortgages, okay. and North Point does all types of mortgages, and I'm, I'm guessing UBS. Mm -hmm. I think it's a German company, but I'm guessing UBS has some kind of mortgage division. They might not. I don't know. Okay. But I can go to them, and they'll extend me, my mortgage company, a line of credit. It's called a warehouse line of credit. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not a line of credit that I can do payroll on. That's not a line of credit that I can spend on marketing and advertising. That is a line of credit that I can use to fund loans. That's it. That's it. But it's a way for me to start a mortgage company because mm. I need a way to raise capital. Well, if I qualify, if I can become approved, there are companies that will set me up with a warehouse line of credit, which allows me to fund loans. Now, they don't fund 100%. They fund typically somewhere between 98 to 95% of the loan. So I have to have some cash. I have to have mm. some skin in the game. right? So if, you, if I was funding John Coleman's $300,000 loan, mm -hmm. And my warehouse lender would allow me to draw 95% of what was needed from the warehouse line. I know that they are going to be haircutting me by about $15,000, right? 95% of 300 where I came from mm -hmm. is $285,000. Mm -hmm. That means 5% of 315 grand. I need a $15,000 of cash. So I fund John's loan. I then need to do something with it. So I'm more than likely in the beginning, I'm going to sell that loan to somebody else. Someone else wants that loan, mm -hmm. right? So someone else may be like, oh, Dio, that's awesome. That's a $200,000 loan at a 5% interest rate. It's worth X amount of dollars to me if I owned that loan for the next three, five, seven years. Mm -hmm. Let me give you $200,000 to make you whole. And then let me give you another eight grand. What? 10 grand, six grand for that loan. At which point I borrowed money from my friends over at Flagstar. <clears throat> I funded John Coleman's loan. I sold that loan, let's say to a company called PennyMac. Mm -hmm. And not only did I get the money I needed to pay off Flagstar, the 195, because that's what, or I'm sorry, the, the 285 that I got from them. I got the 15 grand back that I put into it. Plus, I made a 
six, eight, or ten thousand dollar profit. Hmm. Now that is a gross profit because I didn't make that much money. I didn't make six, eight, or ten grand because I have to pay my loan originator, I have to pay my processor, I have to pay my underwriter, I have a technology bill, right? Things like automated underwriting hmm. aren't free, credit reports aren't free. I'm I'm highly regulated, so I have to have this entire compliance department, and that entire compliance department has a dollar figure per loan that I have I've had to account for in my accounting. Right. So, but the most basic of how do we make money? We first go out and borrow it. Actually, we first go out and find someone who needs money. That's our first job. Right. Like when someone asks me, Hey Dio, what do you do for a living? I will tell them. And I think all people who run a business should have something similar. Oh, I run a people and development business where we focus on sales and marketing and our industry is mortgage. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I need to do is have trained sales professionals who can go out and find, do the sales and marketing, who can find the person who needs a home loan. And then when they have that person qualified, I can then go and borrow money from one institution to then lend money, to then sell the loan, make a profit, mm -hmm. And then from that profit, start deducting all my expenses. Because mm. by the way, some of my expenses are when I borrowed that $285,000 from my friends over at Flagstar, mm -hmm. I had to pay interest on that. Oh. Now, the interest may have only been for three to 13 days, but it's three to 13 days of interest I had to pay hmm. and while I was, plus I was out 15 grand because mm. they remember they're haircutting me. <laughs> um, then I funded the loan and then I had to get, get that loan sold. And then when I got that loan sold, I made my money. So that's the most basic way that lenders can make money. Now, there are a ton of secondary methods of, of making money. Whether or not you retain servicing or sell servicing is, is a way to, from an accounting standpoint, make, quote unquote, less or more money. So there are a lot of companies, in the, especially over the past two or three years, instead of selling the entire loan into the secondary market, they retained the actual servicing. The servicing is the right to collect payments on behalf of someone mm -hmm. else. So same, same situation applies. John Coleman's my home buyer and John's getting a $300,000 loan from my mortgage company. I don't have $300,000 readily available to give to John. So I'm going to go fund John's loan off of my warehouse line. And I normally have multiple warehouse lines. If I'm a if I'm a big player, mm -hmm. if I'm a top 100 lender, I have multiple warehouse lines. Hmm. I'm going to go borrow from my warehouse line. My warehouse line is not going to give me the full 300 grand, right? They're going to haircut me somewhere between three to 5%. I'm going to fund John's loan, which by the way, when I fund your loan, John, I am getting some fees from you at closing, Okay. right? Those lender fees that mm -hmm. clients pay underwriting, doc prep processing. Those are fees that we, we collect as a mortgage lender because they help offset our costs. Okay. So that way it's not just the six, eight or 10 grand I made when I sold your loan, mm -hmm. but it's also the 900 to $1,800 I made from you up front at closing. That is to help offset my cost. That's because underwriters aren't cheap. Processors aren't cheap. IT bills aren't cheap. Copiers aren't cheap. Rent isn't cheap. Mm -hmm. Health, health benefits aren't no. cheap. Payroll taxes aren't cheap, right? There's a cost of doing business. A, a certain part of that cost mortgage lenders pass along to the consumer. I know some people want to call them junk fees. 
You don't like that term. I don't like that term. It's not junk per se. It's cost of doing business. It's revenue that the mortgage lender needs in order to 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 operate mm -hmm. based on their business model. I wouldn't. It's only junk if you're not if you don't feel like you're getting value, mm. right? If you're not getting the service and the advice and the consultation along with the program and the interest rate that made the most sense for you, maybe they were junk. I don't like to see them as junk. I have a couple ways I can make up that money. I could have charged you an eighth or a quarter higher in interest rate. I mean, that, that was another way. Then I could have showed you no lender fees. That's also why I get my panties in a wad when mortgage lenders like to use these advertising and marketing tactics of no lender fees. Yeah, we'll play okay, our cool. Call. Yeah. Cool. Listen, homie, all you're doing is rolling that into someone's interest rate. I'm not saying that's bad. I don't know that particular borrower mm -hmm. situation. I'm just saying it's not, it doesn't make you special. That's just one of your options. You should give every borrower mm -hmm. the option of paying no lender fees if it's at all possible. Now, what we have to understand is this is the mortgage business and the mortgage business has a market that we sell into. There's certain markets, i.e. the one we're in, I can't sell certain interest rates into. The market won't buy it. Mm -hmm. The only way I can deliver a loan is by charging upfront interest, which are called points, to the end consumer. So it's not always willy-nilly easy to do a no lender fee option. There's certain loan programs, especially in today's market, that I can't do a no lender fee option. I have to charge my consumer one or even two points mm -hmm. up front because when I go to sell that loan, my profit model maybe dictates I have to make two or three or 4% mm -hmm. on that particular loan. But the, the market's only paying me 1%. Right. Well, we are not a, we are not a, a non-profit. Yeah. This is not pro bono work. Like mortgage companies are highly regulated to do the right thing do the right thing always, and they're also highly regulated to stay profitable. For example, that warehouse line of credit mm -hmm. that I need to conduct my business, if I'm not profitable two quarters in a row, they very well, they're gonna fire me. Really, they could cut you off? They're gonna cut me off immediately at the knees. Really? Yes. But I got some loans that are still need to get funded and I can't. Yeah, good luck, Chuck. Yeah, but not by me. I'm not in business to lend money to people who don't make money. Damn. Yeah. It's a risk that they're not willing to take on. Think about it. Banks and insurance companies have been around forever. It's not because they make bad business decisions. Mm -hmm. They make good business decisions always because they tend to be conservative business decisions. Not saying banks can't go under because we live through Lehman Brothers going out of business. Right. And we've, we've seen the Washington Mutuals and the Wachovias mm -hmm. of the day. But in general, banking and insurance tend to be very conservative long-standing businesses that make very fiscally sound decisions. What are the top three or most uh, top three ways mortgage institutions lose money that you've seen? We've talked about how they make it. What are the top three? Like, Hey, most mortgage companies lose money because yeah, let's, let's end on that. Okay. But I'm going to swing back. Cause I didn't get to finish the thought okay, on yeah. servicing loans because there's like, I try to simplify the mortgage business, right? I first attempted to say, look, let's just look how banking works in general. Like 200 years ago, how did banking work? We talked about that. Mm -hmm. John brings me his check in the savings. I pay him 1%. I let I do some basic accounting for John. In return, I take John's money plus 100 other people's money, and I help fund the auto purchase or the business loan for you know, Sam down mm -hmm. the road. And then how do mortgage banks work? Well, mortgage banks go to a warehouse lender, right? They borrow money from them. That money comes with a haircut. That means that mortgage lender has to infuse their own cash. They fund the loan. They pick up some fees from John, some lender fees. That helps them cover their overhead. 
then within like three to 13 days, they sell that loan in the secondary market. The secondary market's gonna pay them three to 5% more than what the actual loan balance was. Because the secondary market, they're purchasing that whole loan. They wanna own the entire loan. They wanna service the client. They're, they're acquiring the, cl the client because that client has a value. That client, especially if I'm a certain type of company, what if I have other services I wanna sell them? Mortgage protection services, mm. life insurance services. What if I wanna do their refinance in three years when they go to refinance or five years when they go to mm -hmm. refinance? So a mortgage lender could just sell that whole loan. But there are certain mortgage lenders that are like, wait a minute, I wanna retain the servicing. I wanna do that refinance. I wanna sell them other services. So they may sell the loan to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. That's the quasi government agency or the GSE that's gonna take their loan and a thousand other loans, package them into a security that becomes a bond, mortgage-backed security or a bond. And that's what's gonna be traded in the secondary market for pensions and life insurance mm -hmm. companies to invest in, right? You can invest in the 10-year bond, you can invest in uh, mutual bonds or uh, muni bonds are called, um, it, it's uh, for municipalities, mm -hmm. municipality bonds, or you can do mortgage bonds. But Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, a consumer can never make a payment to. So you have to be able to mm -hmm. service that loan. Well, servicing has a value. That loan itself has a value because it's a $300,000 loan at a 5% interest rate. So you can mm -hmm. put a value behind how much interest is gonna be collected over the next three, five, or seven years. Never over 30 years. You never try to calculate, well, how much interest is someone gonna pay over 30 years? Do you know, do you wanna yeah. know why? Yes, because they'll get refinanced or something else is gonna happen before the 30 year term's up. Yeah, statistically that loan, the term is gonna be run off, it's gonna run, run off, off in five to seven years. Even if it goes nine years, that's a long time. Plus you're only making 5% on the principal balance. So the longer that that loan yeah. sits in the portfolio, the less money is being collected mm -hmm. in interest. But there are definitely institutions out there that um, they invest in these bonds mm -hmm. so we can deliver them and they'll pay us X dollar amount for the bond. And another way I can make money is by servicing that loan. Mm -hmm. And servicing values, just like stock prices, they go up and down. So if I had a billion dollars worth of servicing that would be the, the dollar amount that I was servicing. And I wanted to sell that. There was a certain value put on it. And it may only be like 25 basis points of the billion dollars, right? So 25 basis points of 1 billion, maybe $2.5 million. If I did my math correct, I don't have a, an HP 12C in front of me, but if I did my math correctly, it would be probably somewhere around 2.5 million, I think. And there are companies that I can trade or sell my servicing to. That's another way that mortgage companies make money. Well, if I go to sell my servicing, is the market buying at a three multiple, a four multiple, or a five multiple? Because when I booked that servicing on, we're talking about earnings season. When I booked that servicing, I booked it on, as a profit and I gave it a certain multiplier. Well, if I booked it as a five multiplier and someone's auditing my financials, today's market right now may only be paying a three and a half multiple on servicing or a four multiple. So my books are overinflated. My company is not worth what I think it's worth. Hmm. When I need to raise, when I need to raise money, I can always sell my servicing. So servicing is something I can book today at a three multiple and maybe in five years I can, or in, in two years, I can sell at a four multiple. I made money hmm. or I could have booked at a five multiple hmm. and then I can, I can turn around and need cash and the market's only paying me a three multiple. I can, now sell my servicing, 
but it's not worth what I thought it was worth. It's not worth what I told my warehouse lender it was right. worth. It's not worth what I told my regulators it was worth. That's going to come back into how can companies lose money, mm-hmm. right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna mm-hmm. to circle back in and try to weave that in for you, John. But I just want to finish that thought of there are ways. Now, when you get into servicing, there's another way you can make money. There's like what's called float income. There's money on late fees. Every time someone orders a payoff, if you charge them to give them a yeah. payoff, um, someone pays you late. Yeah. Yeah, there's there, interest earned in escrow accounts. Like there are. Are there any institutions that does it all? Because I hear what you're saying. And in, in my mind, is there a business model where an institution like we'll do it all? We'll maintain all the servicing, all these fees. We won't kind of farm it out. We won't sell your loan. We'll do oh, it all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Many do. Mm-hmm. Many, many do. Now, very few don't sell their loans off to Fannie and right, Freddie. Right. Or securitize them into a Jenny pool. No. You want to get paid. You want to offload that risk. So there are not lenders out there that 100% with the term we would use is portfolio. Mm. Right? They just they don't have that much cash. Right. So like even Rocket operates off a warehouse line. Mm. And they may have seven warehouse lines. And even Rocket is sending their loans to hmm. Fannie and Freddie and they're securitizing their Jennies. Same thing with Bank of America, Chase, and Wells Fargo. Wow. Now the difference is those companies are large, maybe they're retaining 100% of their servicing. But they may retain that servicing for how long? Three years, five years, at some point, it's still an asset. So at some point, if you need to raise capital, uh, if you're short yeah. on cash, but you have all of these assets right. on your books, at some point you may have to sell them uh. because it costs you money to run a business, right? Like whether, whether we fund 50 million a month or 25 million a month at my branch, I still have X in overhead. My rent is still 22 grand. My copier bill is still five grand. My processor salaries, my loan partner salaries, my loan officer assistant salaries, my media specialist and like office manager, those salaries are still gonna be $60,000, right? Like per month. And then you have the credit pools and you have the IT bill and you have the phone bill, like all of those things are mm-hmm. still gonna be set. They're what we call it a fixed cost, regardless of what my volume is. But my volume dictates whether or not I can pay my bills, right? So we all have a certain threshold of volume that we know when you're running a mortgage company, you must do. Mm-hmm. If you can't do that, you have to lay people off. That is what is transpiring right now in the industry. There's not enough volume coming in the door to carry that overhead. And there's only so many things that you can cut before it has to start being people, right? You can cut, um, well, we used to give everyone a gift, a closing mm-hmm. gift, and that closing gift was $30 times 100 closings. That's $3,000 a month. We could easily get rid of that. We used to have this type of coffee machine and this type mm-hmm. of water machine, and we could cut that, but what, what does that add to the bottom line? Your big, Your biggest expense is going to be personnel, right? It's gonna be those fixed costs that are attached in terms of salaries. Um, Where people are also losing money, I used to be able to originate a loan and sell it in the secondary market and make, I'm just gonna use generic terms, people. I could make 300 basis points. That was my gross. That was before I paid loan officer commission, before Mm -hmm. I paid salaries and overhead, et cetera. Well, right now, in order to book that loan because of competition, and because there's more originators than our business to originate, we all are undercutting each other. <laughs> so instead of doing a loan at a 300 basis point gross profit, I'm doing it at a 240 basis point gross profit. Well, that's 60 basis points per loan. 
on a $300,000 loan, that's $1,800 I didn't collect. Times that by 100 loans, that's $18,000 or $180,000 that I didn't earn. Well, $180,000 is a lot of money. How many salaries is that? Right? That's three full-time associates or two full-time associates, depending on if you're an underwriter, a closer, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a processor, a loan officer assistant, a marketing assistant, a receptionist. Mm -hmm. So right now, when you're like, well, why are people making less money? It's really basic. Your gross profit per loan has been diminished, absolutely cut at the knees. Most of that are competitive pressures. Most of that will subside when two things happen, and one of them is unfortunate. Enough people get out of their business. Whether they're forced out, whether they quit, whether they sell, whether they get merged, when we have less people competing for the same small pie, and when the pie grows. Mm. And normally, you'll get both happening almost simultaneously. Right now, we're seeing the people getting out of the business. Later this year, beginning of next year, we'll see that that pie start to grow a little bit. So I think first and foremost, we have to look at what are we making per loan? And then you, you have to, to then project, well, where else do people lose money? Well, you're, you're overstaffed. Your people are not the most productive. How many units per full-time employee? Like if you're a loan officer team, you should be able to fund pretty easily five to six transactions per month mm-hmm. per team member. So if it's you and an LOA, you better be doing 10 to 12 loans. If it's you, an LOA, and a loan partner, then you should be doing somewhere between 15 to 18 loans. If it's just you, you should be doing five to six loans. If you're not doing five to six loans and you're in this industry for greater than two years, hard look in the mirror, WTF moment. If you're doing five to six loans and you have an LOA, why? If you have you know 10 mm-hmm. loans a month and you have three, you and three, two team members, why? If I'm running a branch, where am I overstaffed? Yeah, and I think that's what is transpiring. And then you have to start looking at productivity. How many units can this one person get processed, get closed, get underwritten, et cetera? How many mm-hmm. pre-approvals can this person do? Um, and mortgage companies will find their, their happy medium. Product mix is something that we touched on briefly, I think, during the LO Comp mm-hmm. episode. We haven't talked about it in this episode just yet, but product mix matters as well. Like, what type of product are you originating? Because there are certain loan products that are more profitable, hmm. certain loan products that aren't. Reverse mortgage is hella profitable. Um, Jenny loans, your FHA, mm-hmm. your VA, your USDA, for the most part, really profitable. Bond loans, down payment assistance loans, not that profitable. We need to do them. It's a service to our community, but they're not the most profitable. Certain jumbo loans might not be that profitable. Certain conforming loans, not that profitable. So we have to look at business mix in general and where where are you? And then, because I touched on it, told you I'd circle back to it. Man, are there companies. Servicing is something that I have learned from my um mentors and my teachers, you're either all in or you're all out. The benefit of servicing your own loans, or you can subservice it, which is where you pay someone a small fee to do mm-hmm. it on your behalf. But you know, subservicing is just third party. It still has your name on it. It looks like you doing it. But the purpose of servicing is it's supposed to be a natural hedge against originations. So when you look studying the mortgage industry, if you're making a lot of money in servicing, because your servicing values have gone up, you're probably losing money and originating, right? So if I looked at a mortgage company that I shout out all, all the time, um, Guild, 
Guild's earnings just came out. I was trying to read through them while I was eating my lunch. True story today. And it looks like Guild made money, but they only made money because of servicing. They lost money in originations. Mm. That's not unusual in today's market. So what they were doing is whatever money they were losing in origination, they were offsetting it or hedging it with, with, uh, with money That's earned in servicing. Now, if they were making that money because they were selling servicing or they were marking their servicing up to a five multiple and it's going to be marked down to a three multiple, that could be some volatility and it could be a very short-lived arena if um, you run out of servicing to sell. Gotcha. But I don't know how I got on, this, on the sidebar of, of, of servicing in general and how, oh, getting in, in trouble. So there are companies that maybe went all in on servicing and they were planning on being able to sell it at a five multiple. Now they can sell it at a three multiple, they're mm -hmm. screwed. 40%, 40% of, of your value just got yeah, just yeah. got marked off, marked yeah. down. That's rough, right? That Imagine going to sell your house for 500,000, but now you're being told, oh no, you can only sell it for 300. That's gonna be painful for many people. Yeah. Well, that's where someone can get into a world of hurt with servicing. Or there are things that come with servicing. If we do go into a recession, if that recession is bad, if unemployment doubles, people aren't going to make, be able to make their mortgage payment. They're going to be able to go into foreclosure. When you're servicing, there's a cost that comes with servicing a loan that's in default. Hmm. I mean, there's still a bond holder on the other end of that trade who wants to be paid their, their interest. You as a servicer signed a legal document that more than likely said, you're going to remit mm -hmm. at least the interest, if not the interest and the principal, regardless if you receive it or not. So that means you have to have that much cash reserves. Companies can get themselves in a world of hurt servicing mm -hmm. loans. Companies can also look like a hero during a uh, downturn like we're experiencing because they book servicing they, they have this asset that they're now selling that keeps them staying afloat. But in general, why are mortgage companies losing money is the same reason why average ordinary households hmm. can't save money. They're spending more than they're bringing in. It, com it comes, comes down to that. You have to figure out a way to bring in more money. You have to figure out how to spend less money. And I'd probably summarize the show and today's show that way. I could talk about this incessantly for probably hours on end. Um, and a lot of it's because I have to find the thoughts, organize the thoughts and find a way to convey the message to a most basic level. Mm -hmm. And please know, I know this better than most, but I'm nowhere close to being able to speak like on CFO level, mm -hmm. right? Or you talk to someone like Garth Graham over at Stratmore, and you follow what Stratmore is doing, and they're like the who's who of mergers and acquisitions in the mortgage industry, I'm sure they could give a doctoral level. <laughs> yeah. I was hopefully, based on your suggestion today, John, bringing forth a more elementary sixth grade level, how do mortgage companies make money? How do mortgage lenders make money? I hope I solved for that. Yeah. Did you have any follow-up questions that I didn't answer? No, you did. You answered, I did, but then you answered it forgot what it was anymore. So we can conclude? We can conclude. Yeah, this is the second episode we did today because we have to work ahead. Mm -hmm. I will be on vacation next week. Good for you. Is that by the time this drops? Yeah, this will be dropping I'll, this Friday. Oh, this will be dropping on Friday. So I will be in Boston, mm -hmm. heading up to Boston on Friday. Good for you. When this drops. Good for you. You need me to say hi to any of your peeps up there? Uh, no, nah, if you want to swing by my old prep school, you could do that. Is that in Boston? No, nah, it's in Northampton. 
Okay. I don't fuck with You know, I went to school in Northampton. Did you really? Yeah, England. For a semester. <laughs> True story. On that note, he's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. Please do us a favor. This show is free. We don't run ads. All we ask is you pimp the hell out of it share if you it. like what we're doing. If you like what we're doing, please share it on LinkedIn. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Instagram. Share it on TikTok. Tell your colleagues and your friends to tune in mm -hmm. because you like what we're doing. Look, if you don't like what we're doing, turn us off and don't tell a soul. But keep viewing because I like the views. So you could just keep viewing because <laughs> JC loves to watch the views. He loves to see when our YouTube channel goes from 10.5 to 11. We're looking forward to hitting 20,000 <laughs> like subscribers. That. I like that quick math. And we're looking forward to seeing people out in Vegas September yes. 21st and 22nd. It's an awesome mortgage industry event. It's a sales conference. It's a party. Mm -hmm. It's a great time to network, a great time to learn. It's Mortgage Mastermind. We'll be out there. Come see us. He's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. And we are out. We'll catch you in the next episode.